Hey, it's Craig from Revolution Radio. This is just a reminder. Can you hit that subscribe button? That way you never miss a new episode of Canadian AF. Thanks so much for listening to Revolution Radio and enjoy this podcast. Welcome once again. Episode 75 of, an, of a little program that we call here on Revolution Radio Canada. It's called Canadian AF. Canadian as fuck is the name of the podcast. My name is DJ Craig G. Alongside my man, Dimitri Alexiou. And tonight, Ace Nobby joins us. This is surreal. We're super excited, so we're going to get right into this, my friend. We've got a million things that we want to talk to you about tonight. So, again, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, okay? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, Dimitri, acknowledge me, please. Canadian as fuck would like to begin by acknowledging the Indigenous peoples of all the lands that we're on today. While we meet tonight on a virtual platform, we would like to take a moment to acknowledge the importance of the lands we call home. We do this to reaffirm our commitment and responsibility in improving relationships between nations, to improving our understanding of local Indigenous peoples and cultures, and to try to move forward in a spirit of reconciliation and collaboration. Thank you, my friend. Greatly appreciate it, as always. Dimitri, take it away. Um, tonight, our, tonight, we have with us um, former journalist, musician extraordinaire, Oji Creek, Sucker Clan, a uh, member of the Sandy Lake First Nation, Asanabi. Um, I, the, you have had an amazing 2023. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been, yeah, completely surreal for sure. Really, really kind of fast paced, to be honest. Like, honestly, like it was like, there wasn't really too many breaks in there. Um, I got home like maybe, maybe two weeks ago now, but then... Yeah, I just, like, hadn't really taken a, a day, so I went to, like, Mexico for four days, and I remember trying to just sit on the beach and relax, but I kept... Where in Mexico? Uh, flew to Cancun, went to Tulum. My friend my friend uh, lives there, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like, a pretty touristy place. Like, I'm not sure if I'd go back there. Like, I'd go back there and visit my friend again, but... I, I would know. hope so. I would hope so. It was, yeah. But it was, like, it was, like, a dollar for, like... Or sorry, thirty dollars for like a beer and stuff. I was like, oh dang, okay. But, wow. um, <laughs> Canada was expensive. <laughs> but like, but yeah, no. The biggest thing is like, I remember trying to sit on this beach and like, I like got there kind of late, went to sleep, woke up, and like there was just this beautiful beach, and it kind of just like the white sand. The moon was still out, and it was like kind of dusk, and, and or sorry, it was like the sun was just coming out, and it was yeah, wow. just such a such a crazy beautiful site and i was just like i wonder what's going on in my inbox right now like it was so weird like it's just like i couldn't shut off the 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 go brain that i've had like for the last 14 months yeah like yeah it's kind of having to like retrain myself to relax a bit which is interesting so 14 months that must have been when you first put out the what watson album right no uh i think i guess so yeah because it's it was out november 4th 2022 and i guess uh so, but like, because last year in 2022, um, like I, I started working with with uh, Stephanie Purificati, who's my agent from from Feldman, and she she was just like, all right, she's like, we got to get you just playing like anywhere and everywhere, and 
that's the kind of <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure thing. So we like we did do that. Like we were playing like everywhere and anywhere in 2022. Like and it was like sometimes like bigger stages, sometimes tiny stages, sometimes no stages. Uh, it, it was like a lot of shows in a short amount of time, but like it was it was all part of kind of just like getting out there and and, and performing and and sharing music and stuff. And yeah, so it was it was wild. And I think like yeah. Like definitely a lot of like crazy milestones in 2023, but like yeah, including that record being shortlisted for the Polaris Prize. Yeah, and and nominated for a Juno. Amazing. And and Nomads going being going to number one on the Canadian Alternative Rock Chart, the first song by a first by an Indigenous Canadian artist to top the Canadian Alternative Rock Chart. And I think it, I think it was the top any of those charts. I don't think any of the charts have ever gotten number one, uh, like an indigenous mm-hmm. artist. So like, yeah, like that that blew my mind. And like we got that news like the like the day before, the day of when the broadcast was happening. So it was just like that's amazing getting that news and then and then playing this like the Juno's broadcast, like you know the, the big the big show, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let me let me ask you something though. Um, you were a journalist. You had a you had a journalism career. Mm-hmm. Now you you are a self taught guitarist, like mm-hmm. going back to your childhood and everything. But when did when did it when did it come to your mind to make the shift to a music career? Well, the crazy thing was is like I I, I always kind of was, and I was always kind of like playing shows. And, um, and it was actually, it was actually the, when the pandemic hit, like it was like 2020 in January. And I remember we like I played a show and I was like, like, this is, this is the year, this is the year. And then like everything shut down. And then at that <laughs> and, and so like, yeah. at, but at that point, like I like, you know, I was one of the first people in my family to like graduate post-secondary and like I started working at, ctv and like i was like like a unionized salaried journalist which is like impossible to get like in this Mm. country to begin with yeah um so so when suddenly the world shut and i I was still working and i was just kind of like you know i didn't think i was gonna stop doing music but i just thought like i'd stop trying to like make it as a musician i was like all right like i'll just like I'll, I'll work in the news and then like, you know, I'll wake, I'll, I'll make music whenever I kind of have the energy to do so. Cause it's like, you know, people said like, it's, you know, people like watch the news for an hour and they're just like, I'm so drained. I just, I can't watch the news. Like it's that, exhausting. Yeah. So, so that doesn't get any better when you're like working it for eight hours. Like it's actually <laughs> like eight times is like yeah, I can imagine. heavy. Right. So it's like, yeah. Um. So like, I'd be like finishing and then like, not really having like the energy to, or I don't know, it just it, it, like messed up my creativity a little bit. Like I couldn't really like, sometimes I just wanted to get, you know, log off work and, and just stream Netflix. So yeah, I trying to escape, sh- escape from yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Shut off the brain for a while. So like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, where were, pan- you sta- where were you stationed out of? Sorry, if you don't mind, were you like in and around Kenora or no, no you- I was, I was in Toronto. Oh, you were in Toronto. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, I had like this little, 
tiny little apartment I was living in, like in Moss Park. And uh, sounds like a Toronto apartment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so then, like, you weren't allowed to leave your house unless you're exercising and stuff, right? So it's yeah. like I was, uh, you know, forced to exercise, so I did. <laughs> but no, it was, it, was, it was super interesting too because, like, like I started. I decided like I wasn't gonna like I was just gonna make music that I wanted to make and make kind of music that kind of meant something to me. So I like you know, I was really slow going. I think in that whole year I like I had written and produced two songs myself from start to finish, like Ocean Breath and Howling, which are like you know <laughs> it's, it sounds pretty like they sound pretty like novice compared to the rest of the songs because I, I produced them mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. still like I'm still like learning and stuff, but yeah. Um, so yeah, like, but it was like that whole year that like, you know, that's, I was just kind of tinkering around, but that's when I'm, I was, I was like, I didn't know at the time that like these conversations I was having with my grandfather would lead to the album. Right. Um, cause the backstory, like the album that, that got like the players nomination and, and the album that got like the Juno nomination, um it started out with these conversations with my grandfather during the, the pandemic and it was kind of like it was inspired by well a like i moved him into this long-term care home like oh is that what triggered the conversations in the first place like at the top of the pandemic like before it was declared in canada and like you know i always felt i always felt a way about long-term care homes like they're like you know they're constantly like underfunded and like like understaffed and like the staff are trying to always do the best they can, but they right. have like such limited resources. But then the pandemic brought even more to light about them, you know? Yeah. And so then the pandemic happened and, and then like I was still working in the news at the time and I was like doing all these stories on like these outbreaks at long-term care homes. And like, it was just, you know, a lot of people weren't making it. And so like, I would end up like calling him just like every day, just worried that there'd be like an outbreak there. And, and, uh, but then, yeah, like, what what happened is, like, I remember him telling me stories about growing up on the trap line, and there was, like, stories that, like, I was remembering details on, and he wasn't remembering details on, and, like, you know, my grandmother had Alzheimer's, and, and like, so just, like, seeing him, like, kind of, like, forget these little details, like, that's what kind of triggered me to start, like, kind of recording these conversations, because mm-hmm. I was, like, okay, he's lo- losing, starting to lose some of these memories, and like me as like an indigenous person who's like reconnecting because like my grandfather came and actually moved me off reserve to live with him in the Paw Manitoba when I was like four years old because I was living up in Sandy Lake with my aunt and then mm. uh, he'd come up for a visit to check up on me and like no one could find me I guess I was just like playing down in the forest or down a dirt road or something and he like came and found me and he's like no no he's gonna come live with me then um so yeah, like, you know, I kind of grew up away from community. And so like, you know, I grew up in a lot of small towns, but grew up mostly like in and around Thunder Bay. And so like that, that city has a very complicated relationship with its indigenous people. Oh, certainly does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like that really didn't kind of create like a, like a space for me to like reconnect. Right. Like it, it kind of like created the space to kind of like, yeah, just hang out in the background, I guess. And like, so moving to Toronto to try and do music and then like going to journalism school, it was just kind of wild. Like the, 
complete 180 of just like mm-hmm. of like the cultural and like progressive kind of bubbles you know what i mean like yeah it, it was it was crazy to come here and suddenly like people were just so interested that i was indigenous versus like what i'd experienced just growing up for my whole life right um and then like i realized like there is a that kind of bubble because like you know when i moved here there was like i was dating this this girl and then we like went to i went to like meet her father and he had like this like it was like this giant like confederate flag in his field and he was just he was like he was like <laughs> it was like two hours out of toronto like, it was just like yeah, yeah. In, in canada and i was like why yeah. that in canada that makes no sense um yeah. yeah so but it's interesting so like there's like these like little yeah these pockets of just something that's so completely different and so like all this to say that like you know i i like had like started getting like this pride in who I was and like my culture and my background and my heritage and yeah, always kind of like meant to kind of like dig a little deeper and get to know a lot more about that, that part of, of, of my background. And like, but then I went to school and then I started a band and then like, like I kept kind of like not, yeah. not making the time for it. And then suddenly when the pandemic hit, like I still didn't immediately think about it until it was just those phone calls and that like just the story of him forgetting it about <laughs> like, details on about trapping with his brothers mm-hmm. that like, I was like, I was like, damn, like this is like, now this is urgent because he's like the knowledge keeper who has like all, you know, all these stories about who our, who our family are and like, yeah. Who, who they were and where we come from and how we got from A to B. So then like, you know, I guess like the journalist kind of kicked in on me and I was just like, do you mind if I like start recording these conversations? And I basically like just started like interviewing my grandfather for 2020. It's so interesting. Craig and I have interviewed quite a few artists and it's interesting how different people have have emerged from the pandemic and like, and made use of the time that they were given during the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, so, and, and the thing, and what's, and what's interesting is that, so that you did make use of a journalistic, a journalistic muscle that you had in making this in making the Watton album, you know? Yeah. It's, it's wild because like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think I would have made the album the way I made it had I not like gone to journalism school and like, like developed those skills. Right. So like, yeah, like I don't think, uh, yeah, like it would have been completely different. Like, I, I, I don't know. Cause like it was wild why? Cause when I moved down here, I didn't even know I was going to take journalism. It was either like journalism. I applied for journalism, nursing and massage therapy. And I, I got into all three and I didn't know what to take. So I just chose journalism because I thought it was like, the most similar to music because it's like still s- storytelling. But you know, had I gone to school to be a masseuse, I would probably still be a masseuse right now. How? How? All right. So it's interesting because I went to journalism school. Um, what? Why? How was journal? How did you see journalism being any way similar to music? Uh, just that you're still like telling stories and you're still kind of like, oh, that's 
the crux of it. Like as a singer yeah. song, as a singer songwriter, I guess. Like which is like because I never went to school to like like do theory or anything like that. So like music for me has always been kind of about telling a story. Yeah. Um, so but that, it's also that, like, but I, I guess I guess I see music as being more like poetic and coming out of your soul, whereas like journalism, like you're chasing down details and things. You know? Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, but how? So, you you're right. So as a, as I said earlier, you 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 self taught yourself. You taught yourself how to play guitar as a child. Yeah. Well, I grew up. Uh, like my my mom kind of had like big plans to kind of like live off grid and stuff and like get solar panels and like a, like she wanted to have like a little hobby farm with everything. But like that was difficult because like the, she got a plot of land, but then it ended, like turned it up like all the earth was like clay. So you couldn't really even grow anything in it. Mm. You had to like order in all the dirt and stuff. And that was really pr- pricey. <clears throat> and then like, it was like too far up the road to get power lines. So she would have had to like, pay $150,000 to install the power lines, but then like pay a bill at the end of every month for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, we grew up, we grew up in this house with like, there was like no running water. There's like no electricity. And we kind of just lived in the bush. And um, yeah, like my brother uh, had played music, but like he moved out when I was young. And uh, so like he left, uh like his guitar one of his guitars behind and so like i would had like not many things to kind of keep my time occupied um guitar being one of them and then so yeah i ended up just like picking up the guitar um then like i'll just like i've told this story several times so it's like it's it's fine it's out on the internet but like my brother left bob marley cds behind so like when we turn on the generator at night, I'd like put on these CDs and like, so that's like how, how I started writing music and like, okay. And I was like, so I was so nervous to play in front of people that I would just like, I like moved into the backyard into like this camper. And like, so that's where I'd play and write songs and I'd share them with nobody. And then like, I moved to the city. Like I moved into this, like, like, this like artist flop house when I was 15 and like started this band and we went like played this battle of the bands in Thunder Bay. And that was like my first show ever. And, um, it was just like nothing but like rock rock and like some folk music. And then like us, Mm -hmm. and and I was just like, all right, like, you know, we're so-and-so, uh, we're going to play some original songs that I wrote. And like, you know, I, I look like how I look and I talk like how I talk, but then I just like, I just used to sing with like this deep, deep voice and this deep, like, thick Jamaican accent. <laughs> Jamaican accent? Oh my God. It was, yeah, yeah. It was like, it was, uh, it was Craig, like, you're, it was, Craig, it was, you're it was, muted. You're muted, Craig. You're really influenced by those uh, Bob Marley records. <laughs> oh, man. It was, it was like the, the, it was like the one time. Indigenous person was just out there culturally appropriating. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and it was me, mm-hmm. and but it was wild because like I like no one. It was Thunder Bay, like no one. Yeah, 
no one corrected me. Like I was just doing that for a minute. And so like one time, like we we're jamming out in a park and like my friend, my brother's like black friend came and he was like one of the only black people in the city at the time. And like, I played a song and he just kind of got up and left. And then my brother was just like, I was like, what happened there? And so he's like, he's like, he didn't really like that. About, and then I was just like, it was like, Oh, and then, so yeah, yeah. Like that's thank, thankfully there's no, uh, <laughs> no recordings no of recordings. it. I don't think I've searched. I've searched and I haven't found any. But well, <laughs> so so uh, in Oct- on October twentieth, uh, here and now came out your your latest EP. Yeah. It does. Was there was there a, a, a concept behind it, or because yeah. it feels like it's more about love. Like, well, well that, that's the thing is like every like my writing process has always been kind of like kind of writing personal stories right and i think that's always just been kind of like you know just a pro- product of my upbringing you know i i grew up mostly in like a like a single mother household and she was kind of working so i like use music as like a like a tool for processing the world right and so and you know, it, it had been such a, like a crazy, like 14 some odd months. And then just trying to think of like something personal to kind of write about. Right. And like, because I was just like on the road performing, like, I don't know, it was like, there wasn't a lot, like it was, I saw some really beautiful places and met a lot of like cool people, but it's just like, it was all very, you know, I was, I was trying to find something to write about and the only thing that was happening i guess like was like i I did go through a breakup and like i wasn't sure if like i was gonna like release any of the songs i was writing a bunch of the songs yeah um and like and i just wasn't sure if i was gonna put it out because it was like you know how much of your personal life do you like truly share and how much you kind of keep keep to yourself um and and uh but then like my ex-partner is also a musician and then like my friend was just like oh yeah she's like finishing up the breakup record and i was just kind of like oh okay like mm-hmm. so part of me is like okay so like it was mostly like their privacy i was kind of just like okay do i like start putting this out because like she there's like potential for her to like hear it on the radio and stuff you know what i mean and like mm-hmm. um but then there was just kind of you know this interesting thing of just like i think it's very specific to like well musicians and artists like you can you can have like a like a like a true side a and side b of the same story so like it was kind of like this yeah it's a rich it's a rich tradition the breakup record you know yeah bob dylan marvin gay the the beaches most recent album oh yeah you know so you know who's that written about too right I know it's glorious sons, you know. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know if like you've met either either party, but but you know, I, I met the Beaches, but I, I didn't. I didn't. I played with the glorious sons once, but like I think, I don't think we actually ended up seeing each other. Um, but yeah, that whole thing, like, because mm-hmm. I I'd heard I had heard that she had actually like had had gone to Brett and been like, oh, I think we're gonna like released a song and he was just like yeah yeah do it or something apparently but i'm not sure if he like truly knew how much marketing and promotion 
Yeah. <laughs> and then it ended up at, becoming the song of the summer. Yeah, at, yeah. Because at some yeah. point, at some point, it must be like funny to kind of see it every once in a while. But then after a while, it's like, ow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I've 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 heard that that's their biggest hit now. It is. Yeah. It yeah, and like, and which just speaks to me like, as old as old as breakup songs are, as as old as the art form of breakup songs are they still connect to people people still find people still relate to them mm-hmm. you know because yeah, yeah. they need them yeah. when you go through something like that you need you need something to go well, god damn Alanis Morissette <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so back backstreet boys show me the meaning of being lonely yeah. There is that is. your? Is that that's you? You need? Did you that's need my that? Go-to. That is a long, long time ago. Uh, I was just wondering if you might be able to uh, to talk, Estabi, um, about your um, because I always love finding about you know musicians, song, singer songwriters' journeys. If you could talk about some of your earlier influences as far as music goes. Oh yeah. Um, Aside from Bob Marley, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, I well. I, I, again, like, yeah, I grew up in the North there. So like, there was like a lot of, yeah, I found this little music community. So I always, I always found myself kind of listening to all these different kind of folk singers. Almost like, uh, I can remember listening to a lot of like Ray Lab Mountainia and like oh. Matt, Matt, Matt Corby and well, Matt Corby's a little more R&B and stuff, but like um, Xavier Rudd and like, um, Ben Howard and, and those kind of people. And but yeah, and then I just started like branching out a lot and kind of just listening, trying to like ingest like as much as I could of everything else. Um, like my brother got really into electronica, so, um, like a different kind of electronic music. So he started kind of like trying to pull me into there. And like, so we're listening to like all kinds of people, like, um, like, like Aphex Twin and stuff like that. And, I mean, I've 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 been like a little pulled out of that for a while because like I still haven't had the time to like sit down and experiment with stuff. Like my brother still collects all these little like different synth machines, and like mm-hmm. I literally I was at his house like the other month, and like I stopped in so low, and he like I think I had just been on the road for quite a bit, but he was like explaining this new synth to me, and then I I, I literally just actually fell asleep. <laughs> while he is explaining this thing i was just like <laughs> um but yeah i mean i i love i love i don't know if i had to like choose one specific kind of like instrument vessel like sounds i guess i'm, I'm always kind of gravitated towards like really melodic female vocalists like mm-hmm. like people like uh Florence and the Machine and like oh. L- and like LP and people, uh, yeah, people, you know, just like Billie Holiday, like all these people who have like these really interesting, unique, but beautiful voices that just like have so much power and, and like kind of emotion behind it. Like I think, like a couple of my favorite Pandemic songs was like, uh. Was it, what was the song called? Like I Am King by Florence and Machine. Like was really, yeah, really good. Um, and uh, what's another one? Like Kimbra came out with an album recently. Kimbra, uh, wow, yeah. yeah, she. Came I didn't out know with, she was still around. Yeah, <laughs> and the one thing I loved about her record she has put out is she like she's like 
you can tell she's messing around with or like whoever she was working with they're messing around with like the spatial audio a bit like not on big scale but there's just little things like in the song like save me like there's it's like this big like cinematic sound and then suddenly she's like whispering right in your ear and like i thought that was cool like mm-hmm. people are starting to like mess around in that world and um I mean, now everyone's got the headphones equipped to hear it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, walking around with earbuds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And well, uh, that reminds like we seem to have a new, a new genre of music. Well, I guess it's not that new, but bedroom pop. Maybe the label's new. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. I don't know if like if you feel like that Kimbra is going more into like that bedroom pop, like Billie Eilish type of area. You know, it is so wild. Like I'm, like. The equipment that you need to just make great music now is like so because like i've been to like a couple writing camps now where like you just go you like go it's basically like a social like networking thing like you go you meet other artists you meet producers you meet other singers and you guys try to make music and i don't think a lot of the songs ever really get get cut from those camps you mostly just go there to like meet other producers and be like oh right i really enjoyed working with this person mm-hmm. and uh like normally like whoever puts on the camps are like the publishers for like at least one person in every one of those rooms. So like, that's, you know, why they put them on to, but um, we were like, we went to like Brian, Brian Adams studio in like Vancouver. And he just like has all these studios and they're like so fancy. They got like, like all this. analog. It's not little mountain sound. Is it? I can't, it's like three floors or something like that. And it's like, um, it's got all this like millions of dollars of equipment. And then like every session I walked into, I was there for like five days, you just walk into a new room and then someone just like puts their laptop on top of this. Like, <laughs> 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 it's just like, <laughs> wow. Uh, it's, like, it's like, we could have just, we could have totally just like, I've heard. Oh my God. <laughs> I have heard. I, I don't know whether I should say this, but I've heard a similar story about, somebody from somebody who has worked at metalworks got an entire studio ready for drake and then he just brings in a laptop and like that's it <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i know like i don't even know anymore like i'm not even sure if you need that equipment just get some mics now and like sound treat the room and then rent it out because like people are just going to bring their laptops now <laughs> yeah um but yeah I have a question. I have a question um, based on something you said to CBC. Um, You said, part of me feels almost kind of guilty because it's not at all like the level of talent has changed from now to 10 years ago. You're talking about indigenous, indigenous music. Yeah. It's just, people are paying attention now and more people are starting to care. How after, so you said that in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've had an amazing 2023. Has you have you have you? Do you feel like more comfortable now, like less, like less guilty, or how 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 has your journey with that gone over I the think, past year? I think because it, it had been such a wild year, right? And so like, it was crazy. It was crazy because like, you know, Amanda Ram and Shoshana Kish, she founded the label I'm on. Like they've they're indigenous musicians and they've been doing it for like decades, right? And like, they've been working so hard and they like have been building this network of, of, of people across the country. And 
and like have constantly had like these doors kind of closed on them. So like, like we all started working together and then suddenly like all these doors were just kind of like swinging open and we're just going in there and we're playing and we're, uh, you know, things were just happening so quickly and so organically. But yeah, I did, I did pay notice to just that specific thing in particular. I'm just like, like they were genuinely happy for me, but I'm like, man, I still got to kind of like hurt a little bit to kind of just be like, wow, like the timing, <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes timing is everything. Right. And it's like, but yeah, no, like I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done. Like I was like, I did not know the music industry at all. I did not know how it worked. I did not know how tiny it was in this country. Um, excuse me. Um, but like, you know what? Like the Grammys, just then all the nominations came out, and it was just kind of like, not one Indigenous person nominated at the Grammys was just kind of blew my mind. I was just kind of like, that's like having the Grammys in Japan, and not one Japanese person was nominated. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's 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 uh, so like that to me is like, okay, so yeah, there's definitely a lot more work that needs to be done. Now we say, you know, now we've now we're like making some 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 leeway here but now it's time to like kind of take it take it global and take it yeah yeah i don't like it just seems i'm assuming i i don't know i think i think that also australia is on its own journey with 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 how it's treated its indigenous community and all and i think and i think that um just the 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 finding of the bodies underneath the residential schools like was a national wake-up call in in this country you know maybe do you feel that do you feel that canada so do you feel that canada like how do you feel about the journey that canada is taking with its reconciliation with it with its history like I, that's I, a, mean, I know i thought i know yeah. the enormity of that question but <laughs> i think i think the fact like they're at least acknowledging it now a little bit like they're still kind of pushing back here and there but like well it's 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 kind of hard not to acknowledge when suddenly you find a bunch of like like mass graves right like yeah so you, kind of, you can't just kind of brush that under the rug so they're kind of forced to kind of acknowledge it like and especially with like a liberal government too what else are they going to do right like um mm. so yeah like the fact that it's being acknowledged is like a good step. Like there's always still so much work to yeah. be done. And like, I don't know what that work is too either. Like I, I don't work in like policy and like, no, um, I can but, imagine it's, it must be for indigenous people. It must be like even Dimitri himself said, like the enormity of that question. And then your response is just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, what's well, interesting. What do you, what do well, you do? Like it, it was, it was crazy to me because like, when I was making this record, like I didn't think anyone would really hear the record, right? Like I thought it's the same people that were coming to my shows, and so like I was just like like working on the story, my grandfather's story, and I thought it would be more like a family album and kind of like this little monument to my, my grandfather that like you know, and and so what I didn't expect to happen is like like yeah, all this like stuff happened like accolades and stuff but like one of the the craziest things to happen out of this record was like like my grandfather like 
um like he he's passed away now like he passed away this year but like sorry to hear that yeah so sorry yeah. to hear that yeah oh, thank you um but he like months before he passed away had decided like he was like ready to like forgive and move on with his life and that like doesn't happen to like a lot of residential school survivors you know and i think it was because like you know his uh his you nurses his nurses his I'm sorry, oh. but do you, do you feel like he's he was holding on to anger from from his school days, like his entire life? He was definitely holding on to stuff for sure, and like I think it was just the fact that like you know his nurses and the people around him, like who were like keeping tabs on what I was up to. Like I was still calling my grandfather, but they'd give him all these updates, and then they'd be like, "Oh, like, I listened to the record, and like like I didn't know about." this thing or i didn't know about that thing and suddenly they would have conversations and then suddenly my grandfather was just able to have this more open dialogue and like he was suddenly able to just kind of talk about it more and openly and then like because of like i don't know it was just like i think dialogue and communication just had such a big impact that it was like it helped someone just like move on with their lives out of that and like that was probably like the biggest thing to come out of this record is like like my grandfather just finding healing in it and finding and being able to like just carry on and um sorry yeah i don't know where i was going with that but yeah like that was the that well, was just, all, well, we know it's 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 a it's a deep it's a deep uh do you also feel that like that other first nations first nations listeners were able to relate to this to your grandfather's journey on that album yeah yeah, like, and that was one thing I was so worried about, right? Is because, like, when I signed with Ishkaday, like, I didn't quite know. And, like, until we started working for a couple months, and then suddenly I was like, oh, wait, like, there's potential for, like, a lot more people than I thought to actually hear this record. And then, so, like, I was, like, actually personally worried about putting out the record because I thought, like, am I going to, like, like, re-traumatize a bunch of residential school survivors? Like... Like, I, you know, like, I, and I was like, did I, like, should I have, like, curated the stories more or something? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, but then we put it out. And I was just like, no, like, this is, this is how I made it. And we'll put it out. And, and then it was residential school survivors who actually, like, reached out to me and were just like, they, like, they just said, like, oh, it's so, like, beautiful that, like, our stories are finally being told by our people and in our words. And yes. like they like had like so much gratitude and like so much like uh, yeah they just they they like took this burden off my shoulders that I was so worried about right like they're just like it, it felt like okay mm-hmm. like I'm I'm like happy to be like a part of a like a, a yeah solution so I just wanted to bring up something here really quickly that I had found um, on the interwebs. Of all places, and um, it's, it's a picture. A, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a picture. It's not. It's not your early recordings. It's not your recordings up in Thunder Bay. No. So this is uh, this is actually taken uh, from the Toronto Star, September the thirtieth, uh, twenty twenty two. 
I have two questions for you. Yeah. One is kind of serious, okay? And it's oh, yeah. a kind of a bummer question. The first question, though, however, I do have for you is how long did it take them to put that artwork on your arms? Oh, man. Yeah, we were there for a minute. Actually, like, it was weird just because that's actually real paint. And uh, um, yeah, we, we hired this makeup artist. And I just think that's so freaking cool. Well, like, it was just it, it was super funny because we were there for a good minute, and I remember like my manager and the label being like, "So how's like the photo shoot going?" And then like we were down at this point, but then they like just like drew like like a like a cat mask on me, and they like sent it over, and they're like, <laughs> we, we, "We think we got it," and it's like, ah, yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, that took a while. <laughs> yeah. On this, uh, on this is uh, of course is uh, Richard Inman as well, uh, and the trade offs on yeah. Um, yeah. on this now. I do have a question for you, and I'm not sure um, if you have an opinion on this uh, this entire situation, but I did want to ask you about Buffy St. Marie. Mm, um, do you do you have an opinion on the whole situation? Is there anything to say? Do you think? Um, because I think I think things may still be coming out and what have you, and I'm not sure that the entire story has fully been told yet. But I was just wondering if you if you had something to say about it. It was what because like obviously it was like it was just like one of those like world shattering things, right? Was it and like a gut? Was it a gut punch? Like was it like? I I think for me like like if I'm being completely honest, like I like I didn't know the full scope of Buffy's work, and I wasn't like you know like I I wasn't like as invested as like a lot of like mm-hmm. the people around me and like like all these people who had like these deep personal connections to her. Mm-hmm. So like, I, you know, I, I came from like a journalism background. So like when I, when I saw the news, like I was like, and like watched the thing, I was like, this does not look good. And it's, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, it's still in one of those places where it's like, like, I feel like the dust is still settling. So it's like, yeah do you want to say anything on the record right now and like feel foolish in like a month when she's yeah. like, Oh, I, I did take the DNA test and it turns out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly, yeah. Um, but like, that's, that's yeah. one, that's one thing too. Like it's, it's, it like d- definitely created like this, like, you know, definitely people were in support and then people were like, give, you know, give back the awards and stuff like that. And, and so mm-hmm. there's people like still, still talking and still like you know debating on how to move forward with it because like yeah you know it does it does bring up a lot of like real time real time issues of like people yeah. who are pretending to be indigenous to get grants to get access yeah. to all these different things that are meant to like help boost like a group that is like you know historically always been like not at the table right yeah um so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Like, it's it's tough because, like, I know she came out with like her statement about, mm-hmm. like, I she she came to terms that she'll never like uh, know where she came from, um, but I I believe even like I read like the like the chief of of Pipot First Nation said like she could take a DNA test. Um, so yeah, I think. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's like you, yeah. it's it's not it wouldn't be, 
wouldn't be too difficult to get to the the actual bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but in, until that happens, like it's kind of mm-hmm. still up in the air, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's it's because yeah, like I'm still I'm still learning. You know, I'm still reconnecting. And I'm still learning a ton of stuff myself about uh, you know indi- like indigenous culture and how things how things move about. Um, well, you're so you're re- you're reconnecting. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think for a lot of indigenous folks who are reconnecting too, like it's, it's a little bit of a soft spot as well, because like, you know, there's the whole, you know, does your community accept you and stuff like that. And I genuinely like, like I have a bunch of family up there. I still talk to but like, I was genuinely like, kind of like, and wait, like I went up to Sandy Lake first nation last August and it'd been a minute. And I was like, wait, are they going to accept me? And then like, I, I went up there and, and they did. They're like super stoked. They're like, Great. Oh, yeah. They're like, it's so cool to see our name on on billboards and stuff like that. Um, but it would be so wild that like, you know, what if they didn't accept me and then suddenly they just kicked me out and then everyone's like, oh, like Ace and Abby's not native, but then, yeah. but you know, they accepted Buffy, so Buffy is native. Like, it would be such a weird kind of like thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's gonna happen. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we but have a. We have a we have a comment on our Twitch feed from C Herman, um, talking about how Justin Trudeau was spoken to personally by Gord Downey at the last Tragically Hip concert, and uh, so and so he didn't listen. But that made me think of him. So I connected with you uh, because I was the teleprompter operator at the War Child benefit mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, and you performed there. That's awesome. And um, and you performed with White Horse and and um, and White Horse and and there was some there was some other oh yeah yeah there was a and oh, I'm sorry uh, I would, Donovan Woods and uh, Aza I believe yeah yeah and you all performed Long Time Running at the end of it and like I'm just wondering like awesome what what. Did what was that experience like performing such an iconic song with all these different types of Canadian artists at that at that benefit? It was it was awesome too because like um, we we did run it at Soundcheck and like we we ran it in the green room because I don't know I I like that was. I don't think we're we're all playing that song in our sets very often, so it's like we took took a minute to like get it into the brain but then it was like well like the band's gonna be there so we can't be like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like they had they had like like i had sung that song in like a like a video with sky wallace that was like posted to their their instagram feed like back in may so i was like there's there's like no reason for me not to know the song. Yeah. but like you're good you know the song you're good <laughs> but it, it was awesome and like it was it was really cool because um yeah, some of the members like came up and like, like oh. congratulated and said like, "Yeah, that's really cool. You got a really cool voice." And I'm like, "That's awesome." Like, <laughs> um, that's cool. We well, thank oh, man, uh, before awesome. I. We have to thank you for your time. Yeah. It was so great for you to uh, to share some to share some of your thoughts with us mm-hmm. and everything and your perspectives. Um, yeah, we seriously appreciate it. Do you have any shows coming up? Any any gigs? Um, no, not for a while. I, uh, 
I just finished the long thing, so I'm just going to work on new music. But the next one is the Allison Russell tour uh, from February twenty February 23rd to, like, March 24th from, like, Vancouver. Oh. Van- starts in Vancouver and then ends, like, in, in Halifax for the Junos. Cross country. In Cross- February, yeah. yeah. Be- <laughs> in February. <laughs> Canada in February. Who decided to book this guy? And I, I think it's, it's going to be, like, actually what I think, like, a normal... Because, like, I, I opened for Dan Mangan in the fall, but, like, because I was, like, doing so, and he's, like, been, he's toured back and forth a bunch. Yeah. Uh, that, like, he just had an extra couple spots on his bus. So he's, like, yeah, you can come stay on the bus. And so, like, mm. it was really cushy. I got to be on the bus and, like, just play these little, like, short 30-minute opener sets. Oh, that's and then, awesome. so it was, like, really relaxed, right? And, um, but this one, I think I'm, I'm going to actually be, like, driving. Um which will be like what what the tours are normally. normally. Yeah. So yeah. You, think you might, you might want to do a snowmobile instead of a car. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Might be a good I, idea. Something with a track on the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to, we're going to uh, wish you a great happy new year and end of, end of 2023 all the best in 2024 but we're gonna play um we're gonna play a song from here and now uh somebody else another huge hit for you um what do you have any do you have any neat perspectives on on this song yeah you know um it was, it was super kind of interesting because this was like one of the first songs i ever kind of did like a co-write on right and mm-hmm. so, like, I had always just kind of written all my songs, always by myself. And so, kind of like to actually like sit down and and, and like, because I, I wrote it with uh, Derek Hoffman was producing and Sean Soroka, who, who goes by Ten Kills the Pack as well. Um, I never met him. But then he, he just kind of walked in and like we had organized to write together. And he's like, "Yeah, so like, what's going on? What's, what's going on in your life?" And then so you just like you meet someone who's like, you know, essentially a stranger. And then you just kind of like, you know, Oh, here's all my deep dark secrets. And now let's make make (laughs) art out of it. And so like, that was like Mm -hmm. a really interesting kind of thing that I, I didn't know I was so nervous about it before. Just kind of like, you know, letting someone into your vulnerable space and then kind of just Mm -hmm. like, you know, Mm -hmm. making, making art out of it. So, but yeah, like that was, that was kind of, uh, yeah, that was a good experience, and the song itself, yeah, it's you know, it's a, it's a breakup song, but it's also kind of like a song of just kind of like um, every song you can kind of tell is like kind of a different point in uh, in kind of uh, yeah breaking up with somebody, but this one I think I think like I was actually just like going through social media and then like saw my ex with this new person and then like um was actually kind of like genuinely happy for this person because like Mm -hmm. it it seemed like like they were actually getting all the things that they needed that like things that like you know i tried to give but i knew i couldn't give and i just kind of like stayed there until i started becoming like a stranger right like um so yeah, like that that was the kind of like sweet kind of realization of just you know, it's she seems to be happy and I'm probably therapeutic happy. as well too. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's... Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, that's where that song comes from. But it, it is kind of crazy. Like, I think, like, Indy 88 is playing it, like, a million times a day. And I'm just, like, well, I'm genuinely happy for it. I, I don't imagine. I'm not sure. If, if, I'm not sure how it would be to be, like, in a breakup and then hearing the song on the radio. I'm not sure. Like, how's <laughs> Brett feeling right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good call, yeah. Like, <laughs> He's probably freaking out right now. That would, be an inter- this that would be an interesting panel for a talk show. Brett, Asanabi's ex. On t- <laughs> 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 yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, like, just having to hear it all the time, be like, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But anyway, uh, I just... I just have to say that uh, I love the wordplay in the chorus. You know, L- let me hold you like l- like you're the old you. You know, it's like yeah. I just that I know that you're rhyming you with you, but it's still like it's just like the way that the the sounds stack on top of each other. It's really clever. You know, that was actually a really funny memory of you from writing with Derek because like I remember we had written together like I think like a month before, but like we'd gotten we were there for so long that like it just you know words start making sense and then like and then we're writing for to finish the song it was like something that a song that never got made but like i was like i think i got it and then you just like <laughs> it's like you wrote you you realize you round place with place <laughs> <laughs> and, and i was like no i Oh. <laughs> I was like, we should probably call it a day. Um, but I we, meant I meant space, not. not <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, it happened again for this song, and we're just like, I'm like, I it sounds know. great. It's good, and I don't think there are truly any rules. Yeah, uh, no, there really aren't. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you so much, Jason Abi, for awesome. joining us. Awesome, thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate your time, mm-hmm. my friend. Yep, thank you. So, all the best for the coming year. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.